What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. This week, I'm speaking with successful serial entrepreneur, Laura Roeder. Now, if you've been a longtime listener of the Wellpreneur Podcast, you might remember Laura from way back in season one. Laura used to run a online course business called LKR Social Media. And so we had her on back then talking about social media, but since then, a lot has changed. She's had two children. She started a successful software company in the social media space called Meet Edgar. And now that business is still running without her. And she's transitioned to start another software business in the coaching space called Paperbell. So I really wanted to have Laura on because not only has she had a lot of experience and success in different online business models, but she also believes in being well as she's running her business and not hustling and pushing and burning herself out, but she has a really sustainable way of running and growing her business that's really inspiring. You can find the show notes to go along with this episode at wellpreneur.com. And if you're a coach, you can grab your own free account of Paperbell at wellpreneur.com slash Paperbell. Get ready for hearing some mindset shifts about how you can design a business that really fits you. Let's jump into this interview with Laura Roeder. Hi, Laura. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hey, Amanda. I'm excited to be back. I was on the show many years ago, it's but like, I'm, I'm ready for round two. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a lifetime ago. So I, I want to cool. start there, actually, because you came on back in season one and you were doing LKR social media back then. So you talked to us about social media stuff. So catch us up to because a lot's happened between then and now. Mm-hmm. So catch us up to what's happened on the business and life since then. Yeah. So LKR Social Media was my social media course uh, business, uh, which is sort of still active, actually. You can Google uh, Social Brilliant and you'll find one of my courses that's been updated and you can take for free now, which is cool. So after I did that business uh, in 2014, I launched Meet Edgar, which is social media scheduling software. So basically I went from teaching about social media marketing to creating software that does it for you had two kids along the way, you know, very short version of the story. Uh, And then this year in 2020, I launched uh, another business, which is called Paperbell, which is also a software business, but in a different space. It's actually for coaches, like life coaches, business coaches, relationship coaches, and it's software that does kind of the backend business management stuff. So your scheduling, your payments, uh, contract signing, client management handles all that for coaches. Awesome. So I was really excited to talk to you and have you on the show because I think since you run a variety of businesses and are still running these businesses, you're a really good example of somebody that is a successful entrepreneur, but not working all the time. 
Like you're not mm-hmm. totally, you know, you're not totally burnt out and going crazy and and yeah. hustling and pushing and all of that. And so I think that's really interesting to show, especially to the listeners who might be earlier in their journey, that there is a way to do this without without killing themselves for their business. Yeah. So what's your I don't know. I've heard you say in other interviews, like, well, I think I'm just not a hard worker. Or what did you say? I like to be lazy. Or I'm not a hard yes. worker. <laughs> yeah. So I've worked um, part time since I've had kids. So basically for the past five and a half years, um, I've worked part time hours. I've also taken off months at a time um, for traveling or for leaves when I've had newborns. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Denise DT, who I'm sure a lot of people Mm -hmm. listeners know and her Mm -hmm. book, Chillpreneur. I have kind of a, a similar outlook. (laughs) Um, and you know, the, the way that I like to explain it is there's a lot of stuff that needs to get done in your business, but it doesn't all need to be done by you and it doesn't all need to be done right now. So those are kind of like the two scales that you have uh, to not be burning yourself out, to not be working crazy hours. And and I've worked on both of them. You know, at Meet Edgar in this point, I'm no longer involved in the business. It's totally run by a team. So I have a whole business run by other people. Where on the other hand, Paperbell is the total opposite. Uh, it's just me and my husband doing everything, but we're doing it slowly because, you know, we both work part-time. We both spend a lot of time with our kids. So we know that we can't ship every feature as fast as we want to. I have, you know, pages and pages of marketing ideas. I can't do them all this week. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, um, how do you decide? Because I think, you know, what you said, you have pages of marketing ideas. I think a lot of us can relate to that, that ideas are never the problem. <laughs> and so yeah. the question is, how do you decide where to focus? How do you, yeah, how do you go through that process of deciding what is worth your time? So I look at it as the two most important factors are how much impact will it have and how easy will it be for me personally? So the impact side, you know, you really have to look at your own goals. Like, is your goal to bring in a lot of cash this month? Is your goal to build a marketing system that will be a little bit more of a slow burner. Um, but in a year, for example, something like SEO, right? It doesn't really have an immediate impact this month, but a year later you might be ranking for a bunch of great keywords. So you really do have to be specific about what you're trying to achieve in your business to figure out, okay, out of this huge list of ideas that I have, which tactic is, you know, going to have the biggest impact on moving me forwards to where I want to be. And then that next part of how easy is it for me? So I have my own talents, my own skills, and my own preferences. I love doing marketing stuff. I don't love doing sales stuff. So some people are really great at getting on the phone with people one-on-one and building partner relationships and stuff like that. I would rather write copy (laughs) personally, you know, that's more my talent. So I think that's the other thing is that we often feel like our talents are not the right ones. You know, whatever it is that we're good at, we're like, oh, well, that's not as impressive or that's not, you know, quote unquote, uh, the official way to do things. But of course, whatever we're great at slash love doing, um, we have much better odds at one, actually completing the project and two, doing a great job because because we're great at it. So I think that's a really important factor as well. Mm-hmm. I want to um, pull out one of those things, which is that you said, 
you know, you need to really know what you want. Like, what do you want from your business? And I think even though that sounds, it sounds so obvious, right? Obviously, like, where are you going in your business? What kind of business are you creating? I think that's where a lot of people don't get specific enough or they're just not clear. They're kind of, especially when people at the earlier phases are just like, well, I'll do anything. Like, let's just get it, you know, whatever it needs to, like, let's do whatever it takes to just, you know, let me quit my day job, for example. And I think that lack of clarity can cause loads of distraction because then how can you possibly decide what's most important if you could create, if you have infinite things that you could create, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. And, you know, that's why it's so, can be so challenging and overwhelming to run your own business because there are truly infinite choices, (laughs) you know, like just deciding which marketing channels you want to focus on. And then within that, it's okay. If you decide you want to try out Facebook ads, well, there's an infinite number of, you know, angles and campaign types or do I want to do Mm -hmm. a webinar? Am I looking for a sale right away? Am I looking for a series of ads? Right. It's so easy to get so overwhelmed. So yeah, the more clear you are on, you know, am I trying to just literally get any client because I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm just starting out. I'm, you know, building my practice. So just any human who will pay me 50 bucks, I'm in, you know, which is, which is where you're at sometimes. Cause you're like, I don't want to start getting people in figuring this out. That's very different from being like, okay, I need to get to $10,000 a month and I need it to be reliable income every month. Right. Because you're going to make very different choices there for how you structure your business, for your marketing activities. You know, I talked about sales versus marketing. Some businesses really need to be much more sales focused. Some businesses talk to three people every month and close one of them. And that's all they need to do mm-hmm. for their business. So if that's you, then maybe you shouldn't be doing like Instagram stories all day because that's much more of a mass market thing. Um, but yeah, we often just sort of look around and frantically and we're like, ah, discovery calls, Instagram stories, <laughs> Facebook ads, you know, and we're trying to like keep up with everything going on instead of actually taking a step back and being like, okay, which, which of these really makes sense for what I'm trying to achieve in my business? Mm-hmm. I really like to say you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Like yes. you have to choose. And literally, I feel that way. Like the world is your oyster, but you can't have every single thing. You have to pick what one you like. What route do you want to go with your business and then double down on it? So I love like that you still have me Edgar going. And like you said, it's completely running without you with a team. And then now you've got Paperbell, which is you and your husband running that. I'm curious, like in order to get those, you know, the business, especially with, yeah, with me Edgar, you have a setup where it can run without you. And I'm curious whether, like when you were doing LKR social media, because that was a brand that was LKR is you, right? Is built around right. you. Was that harder to have run without you? Like, is it is that kind of a, one of the decisions you have to make up front about, is this a business about me or is it something that can run without me? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I do think that long-term you can transition pretty much any business to have a lot less of your time, um, you know, and that'll look different in different ways. Like even if you're a massage therapist and your whole business is just clients come to you, you, you can grow that, right. You can have a practice where people are booking your practice, but other massage therapists are the ones actually doing the work. Right. Um, so for me with my course business, I did, you know, I had a small team. I definitely wasn't doing everything myself, but I was, creating all the content myself. Um, you know, I, I had some help, but at the end of the day, what I was teaching was coming from me. 
Uh, and it was a deliberate decision on my part where I just, I just didn't love that model. And I also felt that it would be hard to sell that business. And that was definitely a motivator for me. It was less about scale. Like I saw how I could scale the business. Um, but I didn't think it was the best kind of business for just being able to sell it and, you know, totally walk away, which a software business, you really can, um, it's a very sellable business. So again, it just goes back to like personal goals. For me, selling a business was a personal goal. Some people don't care about that at all. Mm -hmm. Did you have any experience in software when you started Meet Edgar? Um, no, I didn't. So yeah, I had never, you know, worked in any kind of software company before. Um, I think like a lot of people who did courses, I thought software was really cool. <laughs> you know, um, I'm like, Ooh, it'd be so cool to have that subscription revenue. So the way that I got into software, uh, is I fell in love with a software developer. So if anyone out there is trying to get into software, you know, that's, uh, that's one route that you can go. Um, so yeah, I mentioned that I work with my husband, Chris. So he, um, he's a developer. He built Paperbell. He built the initial version of uh, Meet Edgar. And yeah, he is really the one for Meet Edgar. I was already teaching people to do and using spreadsheets to do what Meet Edgar does. And he's the one that really opened my eyes to the possibility uh, that software could be built to do what I was teaching. And actually, he, he taught me something that's an axiom in the software world that I think would be interesting to you listening, which is whenever people are using a spreadsheet, that means that you could build software. Mm. So there's just kind of like a little place, you know, if you're thinking about your own business and wondering if you have any software ideas buried in your business, um, if there's anything that you're doing or that your clients are doing using a spreadsheet, it means there is a possibility there to do whatever that spreadsheet's doing, software could be doing. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. So I, that actually just made me think about where do I use spreadsheets <laughs> um, in what I'm doing? But um, so I'm curious how that transition has been for you, like to go from running Meet Edgar where you had a team and where you're not even involved in it to go back now to Paperbell where you're doing everything. Mm. What was that like? Uh, it's really fun. Is it's it? really fun, actually, <laughs> you know, because it's kind of a grass is greener thing. Like I feel like talk to me in a year and I might be so sick of it. But, you know, as anyone listening who has any kind of team knows, like having a team is great because people are doing stuff and you don't have to do it. Right. Uh, the downside is once your team gets to a certain size, everything gets a lot slower because there's just a lot more people involved. So, you know, at Meet Edgar, when we do a marketing promotion, um, the marketing team's involved, the customer service team's involved, you know, sometimes the product team's involved, which of course, if you have four people, uh, things just happen slower than if just one person is holding all that information in their head, right? Mm -hmm. You also have a lot more resources to work with. The promotion might be a lot better <laughs> because you have more, more people working on it or sometimes not, you know? So right now, um, it's really fun just to be able to think of a marketing idea and then just to execute it on my own, you know, just, I'm, just to think, okay, I want to totally change the positioning of the tool. I'm just going to go to our homepage and do that. You know, once you have a larger team, obviously you have to make sure that you're all in sync. You can't just change the core positioning of the product. Like that's not really going to go very well for pointing your team in the same direction. When it's just you, it's just mm -hmm. all in your own head anyway. Mm -hmm. You know what you're doing. So you don't have to worry about anybody else. So I think, you know, both ways have pros and cons. Um, and it's really fun for me at this point, working with the super tiny team 
And I am really considering which way I want to go for Paper Bell. I assumed that I would just want to build a similar team to meet Edgar. And now I'm kind of deciding, like, is is that what I want to do? Um, or do I want to keep doing a lot of it myself? I will add more things over the years. Um, right now I'm doing customer service myself, which I just like to have the freedom to not always be tied to that. So mm-hmm. I'll definitely add in some support there. And same on the development side, you know, my husband would like the freedom not to always have to make sure that he has his phone on him in case, you know, we get an alert that something disastrous has happened. So we will have some help, um, but maybe very little help. We're kind of, we're kind of figuring that out. And again, that's, that's the joy of your own business. You really mm-hmm. get to do it however you want. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Paperbell too. So how did you come across, um, well, first of all, you should tell people what it is. And I'm curious, like, what was the story of, of how you came up with that, the product? And the yeah. Need? So, um, by really 2018, 2019, um, I was, starting to be out and then totally out of Meet Edgar because that's when uh, we hired a president for the company to really take on kind of the last things that I was doing. So, you know, all the entrepreneurs listening know how it is. You have this fantasy of getting out of your business and then you're like, well, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, I have, to, I have to start my next business. I have to start my next project. So that's, that's what I was figuring out. Um, figuring out what business I wanted to do. And kind of in the meantime, while I was in that process, I'm like, well, I love talking to people about their business. In the past, I did some business coaching. Um, so I'll do, I'll do business coaching again. So I thought, okay, so all I need to do is I just need a way for people to pay and schedule, you know, like not, nothing fancy. I just want people to be able to pay me 500 bucks book an hour of my time. I don't want to have to, you know, talk to them or do anything manually. And I was really surprised that I could not find a great option to do that. Um, you know, there were things out there that could get pieces of it done or could get it done in some, um, sort of roundabout way or software that said they did it, but then the software was really buggy and, you know, it didn't actually work. And so once I had that experience for myself, I'm like, whoa, there's this whole, there's this whole untapped opportunity here, which is, you know, coaches don't have a go-to software for running their business. Like I, I often think of Paperbell kind of like Shopify. So if you run an e-commerce business, you know that you need software to run that business. And Shopify is, you know, what a lot of people think is the best way to do that, right? They're just a software tool for running the business. Or if you're doing courses, you're maybe using something like, you know, Kajabi or Podia or Teachable, right? This is like, this is software for doing that type of business. But there hasn't been a great software established to run an online coaching business until now. <laughs> and now, you know, that's, that's exactly what Paperbell is. And, um, you know, I've always been someone who's hired coaches. Like I said, I've been a coach. Um, I've always through doing online courses, obviously there's a lot of overlap in that world. Um, it's a profession that I really admire. I mean, I think coaches are literally creating transformation for their clients. That's what a coach is. What, what an amazing thing. So it's also a market just that I have a real passion for. I love the idea that coaches can use Paperbell and just spend a lot less time on the admin work, on the boring stuff. You know, when you use Paperbell, you're not following up with people, asking them to pay, asking them to sign a contract. It's all just in one smooth 
client onboarding workflow that the client just does online themselves. Mm -hmm. So the idea that I can help coaches spend more of their time coaching is very compelling for me. Yeah, that's awesome because I think a lot of people that get into coaching have no concept of just how much there's so much admin business stuff yes. on the back end. And you're right, like the contracts and doing digital because, you know, in the past I've done you have a scheduling service for your appointments and then you have an online contract signing service and then mm-hmm. you have like shared documents and then you have like all these different things. And that can be really overwhelming for people, especially if they're, you know, just getting started and learning all these tools and not not crazy about technology. So, yeah, right. this is this just takes that away which is awesome. Yeah. And I just, I hate, I hate the inefficiency of, you know, a coach being like the, the, they're basically the monkey in the middle, just reminding people to go to all these different tools. You know, what you just described is exactly how most coaches do it, which leaves the coach to be the one to be like, have you signed the contract? Have you signed the contract? Have you sent the payment? Have you sent the payment? Have you scheduled the appointment? And it's just, it's just such a waste of time for everyone, for the coach, for the client. So this is where as a software person, I'm looking at this being like, oh no, there's, there's a much better way to do this. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious when you started Paperbell, how, just for people thinking about, well, like there's a couple, a couple angles we can go down here, but I'm curious, how did you find your first clients and get your first or first customers to actually try it out? Well, so I had kind of a a cheat there, which is that I've been building an audience online for, Mm. you know, almost 15 years. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I launched to my existing audience. So, you know, Meet Edgar is already a very established business. And while we don't uh, target coaches specifically, you know, we did have uh, a certain percentage, did and do have a certain percentage of our, our user base that is coaches. So yeah, for the launch, uh, we just marketed to the Meet Edgar audience and we actually got, I'm very proud to say we got 300 paying customers within a week of launching. Yeah. Which was really cool. And just showed me like, okay, I was, my hunch was right. This is a real need in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, I'm curious, um, what are you, (laughs) this kind of a left field question, but how are you, you've been involved like with the online world and with social media and stuff for so long. How are you handling social media for yourself and then for your businesses, these, or for paper bell, let's say, because since you're doing yourself, but what's your approach to social media these days? Yeah, that's, I think that's a really great question. So my approach to social media, um, so what we do with Paperbell uh, is, you know, create SEO-based blog posts, meaning all the blog posts are designed around what we've researched that coaches are typing into Google looking for. Um, and then social media is largely an amplification channel for those posts and, and just for staying in touch. So uh, we do use Meet Edgar, which is, it's always cool, <laughs> you know, to be able to like actually look at the tools and be like, oh, that really is the best one. That really is the one I, I want to use. So we really don't do anything too fancy. I mean, to me, a lot of social media, the way I think about it is just, it's an easy way for, for you to stay on people's radar, right? People are really busy. People are really overwhelmed. And I think we've all had that experience of trying to remember a company and having no clue what they're called. Mm. Um, actually I did this yesterday. There was a bracelet that I had been thinking about buying and I thought I had penned it on Pinterest, but I looked on my Pinterest and it wasn't there. And I could not remember the name of the company that made this bracelet. Right. 
And so if you follow the company on social media or you sign up to their email list, it just gives you a way to find them again, if nothing else, right? Like if I had followed the company on Instagram um, or liked their page on Facebook or signed up for their email updates, it just would have given me a way. I mean, one, to maybe I would have seen those things on social media, right? And not forgotten their name in the first place. Or two, like I could literally just go, you know, to my Instagram account and be like, okay, who did I, who did I follow recently? So, you know, I think that's just a good basic way to think about social media is it's just a way to stay in front of people, stay in touch with people. So that's just such an easy thing to check off your list with me, Edgar. like put your content in, put your blog post in. And so we just have our blog post again, super basic, like I haven't had time to do anything fancy. So it's just like the title of the blog post and a link, you know, going out to, to Twitter, um, pending on Pinterest, you know, going out to the Facebook page and LinkedIn company page. And then on Instagram, I have, um, hired a freelancer to be a little more focused there because I've seen that coaches love Instagram. Mm -hmm. Coaches are on Instagram. They are very active there. They're loving it there. Um, so what I started with was just following a bunch of coaches, which is really easy on Instagram. Like you just type in the word coach. Once you find one, you look at suggestions and you find a bunch more. Um, and over time I've followed, you know, about a thousand coaches just manually, you know, I haven't used any like tools or bots or anything like that. And then my strategy on Instagram is I follow coaches. Um, I have a freelancer who helps us create our Instagram content. And then every so often, I just spend a few minutes uh, checking out our feed because our feed is filled with real coaches. So, I mean, there's a lot of things. So one, I can engage with people there. I can share their content. But it also just gives me such an easy way to see what's going on in, in the coaching world, mm-hmm. you know, what they're talking about on Instagram, what they're promoting, because there's just a thousand of them right in front of me. Um, and so, you know, right now we follow a thousand people. We have like 400 followers. It's nothing exciting, but it's just seed of having that as one place where we can start to get in front of and and get to know our community. Yeah. Awesome. I know I found our community loves Instagram too. And the strategy there does need to be a little bit different. You can't, it's not just like, you know, Twitter or Facebook where you're just putting out these articles. Like you really need to make it beautiful and tell stories and use their stories. And it's like a whole different way to approach it. But like you said, it's like, as you're in there, it's market research and you're connecting with people. So it's like two in one which is great. Absolutely. What Absolutely. about what about using social media personally? Like if we kind of shift into the how do mm-hmm. you run these businesses without working all the time? Like like how do you handle social media personally? Do you have it on your phones? Do you use it? So I use social media just for fun personally. Mm. Um so I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, um but I don't use and I'm on Facebook. Um but I don't use those channels to promote my businesses because I do not like doing business stuff in my fun space. Um, so yeah. So if you look me up on any of those channels, you know, there's not content going out about my businesses. Obviously if we have a big announcement or something, you know, sometimes I'll post it on there, but there's no regular content going out. And for me, it's mostly just genuinely fun, especially Twitter and Instagram. I really like reading other people's tweets, you know, watching other people's stories both people I know and like influencers. It's just a fun space for me. And then I share occasionally my own stuff. And it's just a way for people, again, to stay in touch with me. You know, I know a lot of people want to know the person behind the business. So if they want to look at my Instagram account, they can see pictures 
of my kids and me and my friends. And it's very casual for me. I'm certainly not um, an influencer <laughs> of any kind. I don't do any like cute anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a fun channel for me. And actually it, um, if you ever want to pitch me anything, don't do it on my, on my social media channels because people, people do that a lot where they'll send a pitch message to like my personal Facebook, for example, and I don't respond to messages there. I often don't see them there. I, I just prefer to keep my personal stuff and my business stuff separate. And mm-hmm. it also does help me. Yeah. Not, not work all the time. I don't have social, I, I have Instagram on my phone because their web app is kind of terrible. It's kind of hard to do stuff online. So I do have Instagram on my phone, um, but I don't have any other social media on my phone. What about your work schedule? How do you weave that into family life? So my work schedule uh, now is I generally work um, nine to three, five days a week, which so I'm kind of on a school schedule. And then I'm with my kids while I work nine to two thirty, really when I need to go do pick up. So yeah, I don't work on the weekends. Um, I don't work in the evenings. Uh, so I've always been someone who really likes to have very clear blocks of time when I'm working. Um, you know, when, well, my kids still are little, but when they were babies, I found that I could not work and quote unquote, watch them literally, even if they're sleeping, you know, because anyone who has kids knows what happens is you think you have that hour nap. And then of course, once you're deep into something, that's when they don't take the nap. And then you feel frustrated, you know, with them, you feel frustrated, you didn't get your work done. So the way that it's always worked for me is to have very clear hours set aside for work. And there's no kids stuff going on in those hours. I also like to have separate space for my work. So, you know, when obviously coronavirus, everything gets a little weird. um, But when I can, I am working in just my own private office outside the house so that there's, you know, there's no two-year-olds shouting at the door. And then it's just a mental thing also of being totally in my workspace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important to put up, you know, even if you can't get a space outside your house, like just to carve out a corner that is like work place so that when you go there, you know that it's time to work. Because I think, you know, it's like impossible to try to work from the couch or the kitchen table or your bed or it just, oh, you can do it, but, but it's hard mentally. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, sometimes I do, right? I like that freedom of sometimes being able to lay in bed and work at the at the same time. But yeah, if I'm really trying to get stuff done, um, I definitely want to be in a in a space, whether it's a home office or my office. And a home office, yeah, it can just be a corner in your living room. But you're saying, okay, I'm not cleaning the kitchen right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not half like trying to manage an activity that my kids are doing. I'm totally in my work time right now. Mm-hmm. I'm curious um, because you're working with your husband now too. How do you guys not talk about work all the time? Like, do you have boundaries that you put in place about when you can talk about it or does it just naturally happen? Like, how's that experience been? Well, we often do talk about work a lot and sometimes one of us will get sort of sick of it and tell the other one, that they need to stop doing it, which, (laughs) which can go both ways. Like sometimes it's him, you know, sometimes it's me. I mean, honestly, the truth is because our kids are small, our kids are two and five right now. It's kind of impossible to get into any sort of in-depth discussion with kids that little around. Actually, it it literally happened this morning. Like I wanted to talk to him about a strategic thing. And of course my two-year-old just wanted to like climb all over me and shout my ears and, you know, and, (laughs) 
I'm just found, like I said, I get, it just makes me very frustrated. Like I'm frustrated with him. I'm frustrated with her, which is a bad time. So it is something that's just kind of happened naturally is if we're around the kids, we often aren't talking about work. Maybe if we're like, you know, having our time after the kids go to bed. Although honestly, we hardly ever talk about work then really either. So yeah, we don't have a super clear boundary, but we've kind of found that it happens naturally that we both just have to have enough time. Like that's what it's about for us. Like it doesn't work for either one of us to be kind of half working, half watching the kids. As long as we both feel like we do have that dedicated total time to just focus on our work, um, then we don't feel like we're always trying to squeeze in all those other conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little philosophical, but if you could go back to when you were first starting your business, so maybe, I don't know, when you were doing LKR, social media or something way back in the beginning, what advice would you give yourself? Yeah. And I was actually a freelance designer um, before I started the, oh. the course business. I think, you know, the advice that I would give myself is still the advice <laughs> that I give myself today, which is just permission to truly do it however you want. You know, I think that's what I needed to know at 22. And I think that's what I need to know at 36. Um, You know, I think this is a struggle for a lot of people. It's definitely a struggle for me is I keep having this idea that if it's just like easy and natural for me, that could not be good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, like surely, surely I have to make it more complicated than that. Um, and of course, that's not to say that everything's always easy, that everything always just, you know, flows smoothly and there's never any problems. But I see, and I've had the experience when you're trying to force something versus when something is just working. And when you're trying to force something, it just feels like this uphill battle. It feels like, you know, one step forward, three steps back. And the answer is often, in my opinion, not to keep trudging through, but to be like, why am I doing it this way? Because this way is really hard for me. Mm-hmm. And maybe it wouldn't even be hard for somebody else. And, and that's often why we stick to it, right? We're like, well, my friend tried this strategy and it went great for her. Like, I don't understand why it's so hard for me. But I think if it's a disaster or you hate it or whatever, like, <laughs> let that be yeah. evidence, of, you know? That's so good. It's like we, I mean, you're just speaking directly to me too, because we <laughs> talk about this a lot at Wellpreneur, like this idea of like ease and impact, like you were talking about mm-hmm. and letting it be easy. And I think part of us thinks work in order to deserve to be successful, it has to be hard. You have mm-hmm. to do something really hard and then you can be successful. And that's just made up in our minds. That's crazy. Yeah. Why does it have to be so hard? It doesn't mean you don't have to show up consistently and do the work. Of course you do, but why not? adjust your business to focus on things that are easy and natural for you. It makes so much sense, but it's really hard. Yeah. It's hard to do that though, to let ourselves do that. It is hard. It is really hard. And in my mind, the whole point of being an entrepreneur is to be able to choose what you want. You know, like that's the whole idea of why we started working for ourselves is to be able to choose the kind of business that we want. And yet so many of us Um, do these things in our business that we absolutely don't enjoy doing. And we have some fantasy that someday in the future, it it will change, you know, like we offer a service that we that we (laughs) hate offering, you know, we're like, I was sick of doing this five years ago, Mm -hmm. but I'm still doing it. It's like, well, what is going to change in five years more that doesn't change today? Like today, today's the day 
to to make that decision. And of course, you know, that's hard because it's scary, right? Like you're providing the service that you don't want to do anymore. Well, how are you going to make money? You're going to have to find something new. Um, and that can be really scary to do. But I actually find that it's really valuable to think about the worst case scenario, because I find what always happens is the worst case scenario is like not, not that bad, mm-hmm. you know? So if we have the service, that's like 90% of our income. And I'm like, I cannot imagine not offering the service. So if you w- walk through, you're like, okay, what would happen? I quit offering the service. Let's say I can't find anything else for six months that I can sell people. Like I'm trying all these things. No one's buying anything. Uh, I find like, I'm like accruing all this credit card debt. Okay. The worst that's going to happen is in six months, I'm just going to go back to offering the service and then have also some credit card debt that I'll have to pay off. Right. But that just sort of leaves you where you are now, maybe with a little, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little extra debt. But maybe know? it could work and maybe you could find something that right. you absolutely love to do. Yeah. Right. So if that's yeah. the worst that can happen, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs are actually very, very optimistic. I know, I know that I am. And so actually I often have this vague sort of foreboding sense of it going wrong, but I don't take the time to be like, okay, what is that actually, what is this going wrong actually look like? You know, like what would be the way that it could just go terribly And am I willing to tolerate that risk? And often it's like, well, yeah, I am willing to tolerate that risk because, yeah, I think it could also go really well. Um, And worst case scenario is something I can totally deal with. So, yeah, I like writing out like what exactly am I scared of happening? And then once you write it out, you're like, oh. That's all I was scared of. I can handle that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love this. So I think that's a great note to live on, to leave on too, is just that you have permission to create your business just how you want it and that it can be fun and easy for you and that we don't have to just follow. You know, it's so distracting online because you see everybody shouting about their system and right. this is the way to do things and you have to run webinars or you have to have a podcast or whatever. And actually, you don't have to do any of those things. <laughs> Yeah, right. Really don't. You can choose. So that's that's so good. Um, so tell people how because I think there's a lot of coaches out there listening, um, and I think you have a way that people can try Paperbell for free, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, tell us. Do. Yeah. So if you go to Paperbell.com or you know look up Paperbell on the Wellpreneur website, um, you will see that you can get a completely free Paperbell account. So the way that we do it is. The account is free. There's no credit card required, really and truly free. You get all the features. Uh, Your first client is on us. And then once you add more clients, um, then you can choose to pay. So it's a really cool way to do it because you get to see everything. You get to see exactly how our scheduling works, how our contracts works, you know, notes, client management, everything we have in the tool. Um, You can play around with it, you know, see if it feels like a good fit for your business. And then You can turn on the paid plan that same day or you can like procrastinate for a year. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, um, (laughs) but if that's what you want to do, you can hang out with that that free account for a year. Um, So, yeah. So I would just really recommend, you know, if you're a coach or a consultant, um, just go sign up for the free plan. It might even give you, honestly, just some ideas on how to systematize your business better. Even if you don't use Paperbell, I think it might spark something like, oh, like I don't have to do that manually. This could be a little less complicated. So yeah, definitely go check it out. That's awesome. And we'll link that up in the show notes and um, on social media so that people can can get to it too. So Laura, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Um, hopefully it won't be years and years before we talk to you again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank Thanks. you. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can find the links in the show notes at wellpreneur.com. And if you're a coach and you'd like to try Laura's Paperbell software to make your coaching business a lot easier, then you can sign up for a free account at wellpreneur.com slash paperbell. Well, that's it for me this week. So I'll see you back here very soon with the next episode. 